Hey everybody, this is a spoiler-inclusive podcast. So, if you have not read the book or don't want it spoiled, don't listen beyond this point. Go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Hello everybody, welcome to our podcast. This is the first episode. Uh, We have no clue what's going to happen. We have just done what about everybody in our generation has done and decided that we need to start a podcast because people need to listen to us talk. But our podcast is about children's books. What's because, the title of our podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should probably tell me what the title our, our podcast is titled Not Your Average Book Report. Because like C.S. Lewis, we believe that children's books that can only be read by children aren't worth reading ever. So we're here for you in a lot of ways to read all the books that you don't have to read because they're terrible and we'll tell you they're terrible. But also other books we want to talk about. What are things in here that are good, that matter? So I'm joined here by my sister-in-law, Sarah. Hello. So Sarah, you are a mom. You have two kids. Two kids. Harper is five and Davis is three. And you read how many books a year? Probably 80 to 90. Just ignore. I I read how many a lot. Books I read a year. I'm also a really fast reader. That's how I read so many. I read real fast. So how how quickly do you go through a book? Well, depending on the book. If it takes me longer than five days, that's a long time. But on average, three. How long would it take you to go through the Harry Potter series? Two and a half weeks. Are you serious? I'm very serious. It took me three months last time. It. I mean, I can finish the whole Harry Potter series in the time it takes some to finish one book. Well, but I just, okay, just, I don't have tons of strengths in my life, but reading is one of them. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's ask an important get to know you question since this is our first episode and we're going to ignore Enneagram. We're going to ignore Myers-Briggs. What is your Harry Potter house? I'm a Gryffindor. Of course you are. I am. Well, I'm I am a Hufflepuff. <laughs> and here's the thing about Hufflepuff is there's nothing interesting about them, <laughs> but we're nice and loyal, right? Is that That's kind of the yeah. understanding. Wasn't, what's his name? Who's a Hufflepuff? Cedric Diggory. Yeah. The first guy there's to nothing... die in the book. Spoiler yes. alert, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, by yeah, the let's way. just kill a Hufflepuff. <laughs> well, but he died and everybody had good things to say about him. And it was Robert Pattinson, so. Yeah. Mm. Worse. Okay. <laughs> so. Hufflepuffs turn into vampires. <laughs> <laughs> we are never doing Twilight on this show. That's just an agreement, right? That's fine. It That's is completely fine. off limits. I think that would just change everything about this podcast. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, so our podcast is, I mean, really, we just love books and i think both of us would say as kids so much of our childhoods were formed by the books we read and we just love that Mm. and we want to continue some of those conversations but also talk about what does it mean for parents who have kids who are starting to move into these ages where they're going to be reading books and the reality is books shape our imaginations Mm. so we need to talk about that but also there's so much fun along the way um, and that's my hopes for this podcast is to have meaningful conversations, but also to have a really good time because that's, to me, that's what children's literature is, is you got to have fun because it's kids. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there are these meaningful topics. There are these themes that writers are willing to delve into that I think are so good and beautiful that even as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I'll start crying during mm-hmm. kids books because they're beautiful. So mm-hmm. what about you? What is, what, it, what, like, why are you sitting here with me this morning? <laughs> I am sitting here because I love this idea. Um, But as someone who has been 
a avid reader my whole life. Having kids has now changed how I pick books because I consider, will I be able to talk to the to my children about this book? Or is this something that I want my kids to see me reading? Sometimes I have to check a book. Um, but in talking about this, and you said, how do parents talk about it? But I also think about all of the people in my life who were readers that weren't my parents who talked to me. And I think about you with my own kids. You've bought them books for Christmases and birthdays. And I want you to be able to talk to my kids, too. And this is just a great conversation place to be like, what are things that you want the kids in your life to see in books? What are the things that seem important to me as an adult? How can I relate those to those kids? So I'm here for a lot of reasons. I love to talk about books. and Yeah. (laughs) So for our first book, we have chosen a little book called Charlotte's Web. Some people would say this is the greatest children's book of all time, which is interesting because it didn't even win the Newbery Medal the year it came out. It got a Newbery Honor, which means it was... I don't know, nominated, basically. Probably later they were like, oh, we should have given it to them. (laughs) Probably. But that's the thing is this book, I think it's over time, Charlotte's Web has gained importance, I guess is what the term I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like over time, it has become more and more of just an absolute staple Mm -hmm. of childhood, at least in the United States. I don't know how it is overseas. You would be hard pressed to find a fourth grader who has not Mm -hmm. either read Charlotte's Web or had it read to them. We had it read to us in first grade. I think we read it slash had it read to us in second grade. I'm pretty sure. But okay. I was in California, so who knows how they do things out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to tell the California listeners. Yeah, out to California. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, they're all like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah we, yeah, we get that. About. We get it. <laughs> uh, there is a kind of a vegan uh, push in this book, but we won't, we won't get into that topic. <laughs> do you remember in second grade reading this book – Anything about it that sticks out to you from it? I remember I was in Miss Dunn's class. What's up, Miss Dunn? Um, and I didn't tell you this, Sam, when we talked about this book, but Miss Dunn had a pet rat, either a rat or a mouse. I can't actually remember. Was but she, she named Templeton? I started to be like, maybe his name was Templeton as I was reading this, but I don't remember. I still need to ask my mom about it. But she had a rat slash mouse that would sit on her shoulder. Wait, was it a rat or a mouse? I'm not sure. I think it was a rat because it was bigger. It sat on her shoulder. It did. It did. Or it was a really fat mouse. I don't know. It's in her school picture. like In her school picture? Like when you took yearbook pictures or whatever. She had the rat on her shoulder. She had it on her shoulder. It was what she was known for. Um <laughs> so oh my gosh that's something that i remember yeah <laughs> but she um she would read it to us and some time in second grade about part way through the year my family moved my dad's military okay. so we moved across the country and i didn't finish the book in california i took it with me and i finished it in florida where okay. we moved and it's just I just remember being like, okay, books can come with me. It wasn't even necessarily what the content of the book was. It was that it traveled with me because Mm -hmm. it was in California that I started to read on my own because I was like kindergarten first and Mm -hmm. second. And then moving to Florida, I was like, oh, this can come with me. Even Mm -hmm. though we're leaving all this other stuff, books can come with me. And that story doesn't change regardless of where we live. Is that a common theme with bouncing around? Would books kind of become a staple for you? Yeah, books just... I mean, I literally read everything and I still do, but like I, when we would go on road trips, I would go to the library 
beforehand and get like nine books and my brother and sister would be like we're gonna watch a dvd in the car and i'm like don't worry i have my giant bag of books but <laughs> i always could read no matter whether where mm-hmm. i was i just could always have a book and that was comforting i guess mm, so charlotte's web was a charlotte's web it is the first book that i clearly remember reading and having having it like and mm-hmm. reading it in school and it just probably the first one that I, I'm like, oh, I have vivid memories of that. Well, now that you mentioned that, it might be the first one I remember. Because I'm going through kinder, kindergarten, I don't, none stick out because it's probably all like Bob books. You were going like going on a bear hunt. Yeah, exactly. I remember first grade, Mrs. Young. Mrs. Young read us Charlotte's Web. Mm. And we finished it right as school was ending. Mm. And I was an emotional kid, so I did not like things ending. Mm. And so, spoiler alert, Charlotte dies. <laughs> She died like the day we had field day, which is like the last day of the year. And I remember walking outside to field day and just not being okay. Like I was a little emotional. I'm not participating in this. And as a first grader, I remember being at field day, just being so (laughs) sad because I was like, school is ending and Charlotte's life ended and summer is coming in. Your mom comes to pick you up. How was your day? Horrible. <laughs> Field day is, is awful. Apart. <laughs> and Charlotte died alone. Published in, oh gosh, I didn't do my, fa- I'm going to, for the future episodes, I'm going to have fast facts in front of me instead of having to literally look in the front of the book. Like I was taught in school to figure out when it was published. Exactly. It's a book report. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, not your average book report. It's not your average book report, but it still has some book reports. Mm-hmm. Um, published in 1952. By E.B. White. I did a little digging. And did you know there was a real spider? Oh, really? There was. E.B. White was living on a farm. He wrote an essay. I believe it's called Caring for a Dying Pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's <laughs> In real life, okay. he tried to save this pig that was dying. And while he was doing that in this barn, he looked up and he saw this brown spider that had built a web in the corner. Mm-hmm. And he said one day he saw it building an egg sack. And then the next day he came back, the egg sack was there and the spider was gone. Huh. And so he theorized what had mm-hmm. happened to it. And literally, I found a couple sources on this story. He cut the egg sack down with a razor blade and took it to the city with him where they hatched all over his apartment. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And he Mm-mm. was totally fine with it. He told he told stories about they would build webs on his toothbrush. Oh, no. On top of his cabinets. Until so finally the lady that cleaned up his apartment had enough with it and he said that was the end of it. That's not okay. <laughs> I know. There, it raises some serious questions. I mean, I understand like doing things for your art, but that's like doing too much. Hey, he was committed to the bit. It's called research. <laughs> that was too much research. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what's interesting. So E.B. White basically, I'm trying to say that, I don't want to say he hated people, but he was not comfortable around other people to the point where I've read a couple sources that said when people were coming to his office, he would literally hide on the fire escape (laughs) if it was somebody he didn't know, which would make sense why he loved sitting with animals. Mm -hmm. So he would just go to this farm in upstate New York and and the barn and he was completely comfortable. Probably probably why I was comfortable having 500 spiders in his house too. He was way more comfortable around animals than he was around people. Very interesting. So Charlotte's web is about Wilbur. He's a little pig. He's, I mean, on page one, stuff gets real in this book where you're like, this is not happy little pig time on the farm. 
I mean, literally one of the first lines, I think the first line of the book, I'm going to pull it up here, is where's Papa going with that axe? <laughs> and so there's very few pages in this book where his life is not in danger. Um, he is born the runt, but he's saved by this little girl, Fern, who raises him like a baby until he's big enough and they sell him to her uncle. Mm-hmm. Who's For Zuckerman, $6. Which I don't know if that was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I was like, either. I... Uh, to Homer Zuckerman, her uncle, who puts him up in her barn, where Wilbur finds out he's the Christmas pig and he's going to be on the table <laughs> for a Christmas dinner. Which I mean, for a kid, all of this is like. I won't lie. As I was reading it, I was like, I just I don't remember that. Maybe it's not as scarring for children as I think it might be. Maybe we've just yeah we were rougher in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So, like, I think this to me is like an eight-year-old nut book. Mm. I think younger than that, because like, one of the main themes is death, mm-hmm. which I'm not again. At some point, you got to have that conversation, and it, like, especially with animals, is kind of an easy way to get into. I think because mm-hmm. for me, when some of those first conversations about death were about dogs that passed away, and as horrible as that mm-hmm. is, I have considered this and think when I was reading this and thinking about when I'm going to let Harper and eventually davis they're gonna they do everything together so they have to be a pair and i feel like harper will probably be seven and davis will be five Mm -hmm. because i won't be able to wait much longer i'll be excited to read it Mm -hmm. but as i was reading it i was like hmm death is very um they don't beat around the bush he didn't beat around the bush with death like he says so and so died you Mm -hmm. know very clearly um but i found that five-year-olds they talk about death Mm. No matter how much I don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. they're going to bring it up and mm. they're going to talk about it, even if it's pretend, because, well, to talk about Disney movies, somebody's always dying in a Disney movie or is dead. And my children currently believe that you can die and then something magical will happen and you come back to life like Anna and Elsa. They think those things happen. And mm-hmm. so it is, I think, a positive thing to talk about death through like an animal because mm-hmm. it's not quite as personal but it's permanent yeah unlike disney movies where it's like magic yeah, the, the tears are going to bring them back to mm-hmm. life or true love's kiss yeah or magical hair or whatever it's yeah. just things don't happen <laughs> yeah so Wilbur finds out he's gonna be the christmas pig but then he meets a friend charlotte who commits to saving his life for no other reason than that she likes him mm-hmm what was your impressions of Charlotte? Because she is a spider, and there was, I also read that there was some pushback with the publisher about having a main character that's a spider. I loved that at the beginning, when, or the beginning of the beginning of their relationship, Wilbur is initially like disgusted by Charlotte because he's like, you kill things and you wrap them up and you eat them and all of this stuff where. I think we all are like that with spiders. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I still don't like spiders. But I killed one last night. Emily made me do it. And you were like, oh, good. Perfect from a podcast. <laughs> I did think about it for a second. I was like, yeah, should I catch him? And let him he was a fast mover. Oh, no. And the fast movers. You just got to stomp them. I'm so sorry. So sorry, spider lovers. No. <laughs> but I appreciated that because I don't really like spiders. But... Charlotte, one thing that I love about her is that she is 
so other focused because mm. she's focused on Wilbur and she wants him to survive and she's using her brain power to figure out ways of saving him. And so regardless of how icky she is or the fact that she does kill things to eat them and stuff, she still is just she loves Wilbur. And mm-hmm. at the end, I was like, oh, wow, Charlotte's actually a really, really good friend. <laughs> and we'll come back to that when we get to the yeah. end, because I do want to talk about that. The summer goes on and she starts writing these messages in her web. Uh, the one that I remembered was some pig, but there was also terrific. I also remembered Radiant. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I knew Radiant. Was like That stuck in my brain as a kid. Around this time, there's something I want to talk about. I think this was the most interesting chapter to me was in the middle of the book mm-hmm. where the mom goes to see the doctor. Oh, yeah. The, the psychologist. I forgot that happened. This conversation to me, something it just... I don't know if kids will pick up on this, Mm -hmm. but I think adults very much this conversation. I think kids will get bored in this chapter, but this wasn't written for kids. Mm -hmm. Also, this is like my fan theory. I think the doctor is E.B. White. I think if he if he wrote himself into this book, the doctor is him. (laughs) One, I love the description of him. This is all we get. Dr. Dorian had a thick beard. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. Then I see this whole character in my mind. Fern's mother comes in and tells this whole story about Fern talking to animals mm-hmm. and having very literal conversations with these animals and saying, well, Charlotte said this and almost directly quoting. Them. Mm-hmm. He says, how enchanting. <laughs> it must be real nice and quiet down there. And then it says he leaned back and he closed his eyes. And I imagine him having like this wistful, whimsical, look, far off look of like, oh, I remember mm-hmm. when I was a kid. You know, and because mm-hmm. he doesn't ask questions that a normal doctor would ask here. He says stuff like, but for that matter, I don't understand how a spider learned to spin a web in the first place. When the words appeared, everyone said they were a miracle, but nobody pointed out that the web itself was a miracle. Mm. And I just think that in that idea is the simple point that he's making hidden in the middle mm-hmm. is that all of nature, all this beauty all around us, like, yes, they're attached to this miracle of the words, but. The miracle of the spider's web itself, mm-hmm. which E.B. White knew spiders. <laughs> he he was well acquainted. Well, and in the beginning, when Charlotte is introducing herself to Wilbur and she tells him all the parts of the spider's mm-hmm. body, it immediately took me back to first or second grade, whenever that was, that we talked about spiders and all the parts. And as an adult now, I'm like, I don't I wouldn't have been able to tell you any of those mm-hmm. things, but also just how fascinating because spiders are there's these little unless they're a tarantula, there's these little things, but they mm-hmm. have so many parts. That's pretty amazing. And so then to go to what's Dr. Dor- Dr. Dorian, Dorian, yes. Dorian and that wonder he has of a spider's web. Yeah, it just all connects where I'm like, that is pretty amazing. Yep. And this conversation goes on. And Miss Arab, Mrs. Arable says, I don't understand it. And I don't like what I can't understand. Mm. And to that, Dr. Dorian replies, none of us do. I'm a doctor. Doctors are supposed to understand everything, but I don't understand everything. And I don't intend to let it worry me. And here's the part I loved. It is quite possible that an animal has spoken civilly to me, and I didn't catch the remark because I wasn't paying attention. Children pay attention better than grownups. Mm-hmm. I think in there, to me, that's what the whole thing was about, was about paying attention mm-hmm. to what's around us, not getting caught up, not getting caught up and even growing up. Yeah. From a mom's perspective in listening and reading Miss Arable and saying, like, I don't like what I don't understand. There are so many things with my own children that they say or do where I'm like, what? 
and let me ask somebody, I don't understand that mm-hmm. when really it's just them growing up or it's just them being children. And mm-hmm. I can imagine, well, I mean, it's never fully answered and I don't think it's meant to be. Did Fern actually hear them talk? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? But it's also just like, it's their imagination. They're mm-hmm. just going to, whether it's real or not real, I don't think is important, but it's understanding that like she was just sitting quietly and she was enjoying being on the farm and maybe it was her way of understanding what was going on with Wilbur. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I really, I connected with Miss Arable in that moment because mm-hmm. it's just like, I want to understand everything that my kids are doing and why they're doing it and how it reflects on me as a parent. And some things we're just not going to understand. And then at the end, the doctor talks about probably my least favorite character, Henry Fussy, and says, <laughs> does she have friends and Henry Fussy? And basically says she's going to be fine yes yes which then when they go to the fair and um fern rides on the ferris wheel with henry fussy mm-hmm. and miss arable is so happy how often as adults are we trying to get our kids to grow up and to she was eight i think fern was eight in this book and her mom's already like oh she's on the ferris wheel with a boy and mm-hmm. i'm like no don't get on that ferris wheel with that boy like yeah. go go play with the pigs <laughs> well let's talk about that so that that fair scene I remember as a kid, like the the fair is like this is the moment, mm-hmm. right? It's the it's the big win, the, the mm-hmm. win the prize, save the pig. I think that entire fair scene as an adult reading through it, none of it's happy. No, I wouldn't call it happy at all. I mean, if you think about what's actually happening to Charlotte in that scene, mm-hmm. Fern, she just left Wilbur for Henry Fussy. Yeah, which. Who wants Henry Fussy? I know. That seems Henry <laughs> Fussy. Fussy. There's no. always a Henry Fussy. There's though, always you know? a Henry Fussy. Someone to distract. How did you feel about Fern? Like, imagine, because you have a five-year-old right now, and I, I'm assuming that every day you're like, slow down. And so much of Fern is we see her kind of accelerating growing up. Honestly, Fern and her desire to sit at the farm and to listen to these conversations and to be with Wilbur on all that sort of reminds me of Harper. Um Harper is very imaginative and lives in her own world quite a bit, which sometimes as a mother is super frustrating because I'm like, come back to reality. But I was also like that. And I clearly remember being super imaginative and living in my own world. And I don't remember what stopped it, but I just remember one day I was like, it's not there. And so with Fern, I wanted her to slow down like the fair scene make made me sad because i was like why are you eight going on a ferris wheel with henry fussy like not that there's anything bad happening but it also just she stopped living in her imaginative world Mm -hmm. at that point and that makes me sad that's a loss (laughs) it's a loss it's a loss of there's like this that childlike wonder of Mm -hmm. you almost wonder if she went back if she could hear the animals talking right like what was it like with wilbur afterwards and the geese Mm -hmm. and I think about her mother and I'm like, why was she rushing her away from this? What was it that made her think that Fern needed to move on to a different world? Mm -hmm. And is there something in me as a mom that's rushing my kids away from just being kids? Mm. Because I think that's something that's a way deeper issue in the world. If we want to talk like childhood is not preserved we want to push kids out of childhood as quickly as possible and i'm trying to resist that urge and i'm like be a kid be a kid and i think we're kind of getting at what to me this book is all about it's that that's inevitable Mm -hmm. that growing up and change is going to happen so why rush Mm -hmm. pay attention Mm -hmm. 
the way he describes the countryside, even like to me, the image that stuck out was the smell of hay. Mm-hmm. And we had a barn growing up, and I, when you, it is a vibe <laughs> when you jump into hay. It gets a little itchy after, but the smell of like I could almost smell it when he was talking about it. You could tell this was just so vivid and personal to him. In uh, early on, he writes, "The early summer days on the farm are the happiest and fairest days of the year. Lilacs bloom and make the air sweet." You could tell he was looking back at something that was almost lost. Mm-hmm. My dad doesn't have an actual farm with animals and stuff. My dad's an outdoorsman, and he mm-hmm. could live off the land and. There's a moment every summer when we're out at my parents' house and you go in their property and everything's growing, everything's blooming, plant all the things. His garden is abundant mm-hmm. and you just there's a smell about it that you can't get in the other seasons. <laughs> Would you describe it like in chapter three that he says it often had a sort of peaceful smell mm-hmm. as though nothing bad could ever again happen in the world. That's absolutely it. You just walk through and everything's right. Everything is just beautiful and peaceful. and Summertime for a kid. Mm-hmm. As an adult, there's a moment every May where I walk outside and I can just feel the promise of summer. And mm-hmm. that sounds very wordy, artsy, but like. It's the temperature, it's the, the sounds. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, summer is coming. And there's just hope, even as an adult who mm-hmm. has a job and who doesn't have summer the way that I did when I was a kid. Like, there's still that promise of summer and that hope that always gives me a little bit. I always feel a little bit childlike where I'm like, mm. what's going to happen this summer? And which I am living vicariously through my kids in that. But it's also just like, there's always hope. Something about mm-hmm. summertime, new things. I cried one time in this book. It was the chapter about the crickets and their song. Mm-hmm. Because I could feel that. Mm-hmm. We've just had that conversation with Dr. Dorian where you have this whimsical conversation about how kids pay attention and kids have this wonder that helps them enjoy life in ways that adults can't. The next chapter, the crickets sang in the grasses. They sang the song of summer's ending, a sad, monotonous song. Even on the most beautiful days in the whole year, the days when the summer is changing into fall, the crickets spread the rumor of sadness and change. Because I remember finishing this book and it was a cold, rainy day and I was just sad. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a season of melancholy with fall where when you're watching things kind of slide into winter around you and especially on, a, on cold, rainy days, it just feels like a loss. Mm-hmm. Since the time change, I don't know if it's, is daylight savings over or? I don't know. I don't know. The time it. changed. And there's always a great feeling of loss to me when I know that the sun is going to go down earlier. Mm -hmm. Great loss, which some people may call it seasonal depression or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, oh, it's just going to be dark for a while. But it does just give you I try and always remain hopeful like spring is going to come and Mm -hmm. watching the leaves right now. They're so beautiful in East Tennessee. So beautiful. So many colors. But I know that they're going to fall and pretty soon we're not going to be enjoying those beautiful colors. But there's always just that hope of spring and those first buds. And when you start to see things grow and you get that good sunshine, like Mm -hmm. I try not to be too sad. But then I'm also like, oh, winter takes a while. (laughs) Yeah. This book, you talked about hope and spring. There is some hope. Hope is complicated mm-hmm. in this book, I would say. It's not this, well, spring's going to come mm-hmm. and everything's going to be fine again. It's not. Um, I definitely, in that cricket song, you hear this 
I don't think E.B. Wright was a religious person. Mm-mm. And so I definitely kind of get this circle of life. Everything has its moment. But I don't even think he's comfortable with that. Well, I think it's interesting at the end with Charlotte's children, three of them staying with Wilbur. Mm-hmm. And he says at the end, like her children and her grandchildren and her great grandchildren. There's always a set that stayed with Wilbur. And yes. although there is the sadness of 500 of them flying away, there were three of them that stayed. And so even though I don't think hope is a theme very much in this book, um, I do think there's snippets of, of hope. But I also think that there's just something to be said, too, about maybe hope in loss a little bit, because mm-hmm. loss is happening all the time for yeah in this book. But there is just a little bit like there's something that comes from it. I agree. But also it gives you the hope, but it's a little tainted mm-hmm. in that Charlotte's the, the last paragraph of the book is Wilbur never forgot Charlotte, mm-hmm. although he loved her children and grandchildren dearly. None of the new spiders ever quite took the place of her mm-hmm. in his heart. She was in a class by herself. That's where I think this isn't full on circle mm-hmm. of life. Circle of life would just be like, there's new spiders and new mm-hmm. friends and new life. And here it's like, he had this friend that he lost and he'll never get her back. Mm-hmm. And yes, he remembers her and their friendship was beautiful and that that mattered. But there's not this, he was happy because now he had new spider friends. It's like, no, he never right. replaced her. Yeah. And that's why I say there's there's hope, but there's there's a, it's a little bit tainted. Yeah, yeah. I think this whole story throughout it, there's a sense of melancholy. Mm-hmm. There's melancholy even on the greatest of days when Wilbur wins that prize. There's still melancholy because Fern is too busy with Henry Fussy. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that's life though. There's yeah. great joys, but melancholy still exists. Yeah. I think that's why adults like this book because it takes us back. And going back like that, there's always going to be a hint of sadness mm-hmm. because we're not kids anymore yeah like if you feel that nostalgia for kids mm-hmm. you know that it's not that way anymore mm-hmm. i mean the greek word for nostalgia comes from the word for homesickness yeah that's what that word means and homesickness isn't necessarily a good feeling yeah um, and i think that that nostalgia that homesickness that's in this book i think that to me is the thing that i want i don't know if kids would necessarily be able to pick up on that but i think they'd feel it mm-hmm. and this book gives them a means of feeling something that I couldn't explain to mm-hmm. them. And two days after it, I was, I hated it. I mm-hmm. was so mad at this book because of how sad it was. And it could be that I read it on a rainy day in mm-hmm. November because like on the last page, and I know we're running out of time mm-hmm. here. It talks about, and this is probably one of the things I hated the most was Fern did not come regularly to the barn anymore. She was growing up and was careful to avoid childish things like sitting on a milk stool near a pig pen. And I think that's just such a loss. Mm-hmm. That childlike wonder is not something to be rushed through. But I do think the moments that it comes back are some of the most valuable in the world. Mm, They're worth treasuring. To me, that's why I still read children's books. Mm -hmm. Because I still want to feel that I want to see the world through the lens of a child. And so I would encourage people who are adults, read this book. Yeah. Because it is that idea. Come back and see the world through the lens of a child. I think the thing I hate the most is that Fern's lost that. Mm -hmm. The humans, they miss it. Yeah, totally. What about you? For you, what conversations do you want to have with Harper and Davis after reading this book? The existence of that melancholy and joy, that's something um, I think it's hard for a kid to understand is you can feel two feelings at one time Mm -hmm. that you can have. Well, I think about Wilbur, like he enjoyed Charlotte's grandchildren and children, but he always missed Charlotte. And like, 
you can have both. You can enjoy this while also feeling sad about something else or missing something. And that's okay. And just what does it look like to live in those two Mm -hmm. feelings? We'll finish up with this. Something that Charlotte says. Winter will pass. The days will lengthen. The ice will melt in the pasture pond. The song sparrow will return and sing. The frogs will awake. The warm wind will blow again. All these sights and sounds and smells will be yours to enjoy, Wilbur. This lovely world, these precious days. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, that was Charlotte's Web. We Love made it. it. We, we did, did a podcast. It. We talked. We did it. Into microphones. And I feel like we could have talked longer. I, I absolutely. I had so, There was so much yeah. more to dive into. So, Charlotte's Web, we would recommend it. We'd put it in our book fair. Five out of five. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to our first podcast. We hope it wasn't too grueling i think Uh, it was great i think it was great too (laughs) so that's all for us sarah thanks thanks